Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So I logged onto Twitter one afternoon while I was at work and I saw a tweet from one of my favorite TikTok creators kind of freaking out. Palmer Hosh is a culture reporter for Business Insider and a TikTok expert. All of their views and all of their likes on the platform had completely disappeared. And as Palmer well knows, TikTok is all about the numbers. The number of followers you have, how many views, and the number of likes on your videos. More likes and followers mean more influence, more connection. So I logged onto TikTok. Then I started to go onto individual users' pages and saw that they had no views, which did seem pretty particularly weird, and that all of their like counts had disappeared. It looked like it was happening cross-platform as well. And what Palmer saw among TikTok users, pure panic. Yo, John, don't you have like 15 million followers on TikTok? Yeah. Well, not anymore. They're banning TikTok. Dude, you're going to have to get a regular job. No! And so many of them had decided to start live streaming on the app, essentially eulogizing TikTok uh, in what they believed was its last moment. If TikTok gets deleted... I'm actually going to be kind of sad because I felt like this was a digital diary of my last year of high school. For minorities, losing TikTok is really worrisome. And let me tell you why. We've been able to diminish the misconceptions and lies that has been told by the U.S. about our cultures and countries for so long. No other app in history has ever allowed us to do this so fast and on such a big scale. And I remember seeing content of people sitting at their piano and lighting candles and reminiscing about the good old times. And it was pretty bleak because people really essentially believed that in those moments, TikTok was dying. Today on the show, why are people on TikTok so worried? And should they be? I'm Allegra Frank, sitting in for Ariel this week. This is Reset. So Palmer, to be clear, the glitch on TikTok was fixed the same day and users got their video likes and their view counts back. But people's fears about losing the app forever weren't totally out of line, right? Yeah. So the glitch had perfectly wrong timing in the respect that it fell just a few days after United States government officials, including President Donald Trump and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, had made comments that they were, quote unquote, looking into banning TikTok in the United States. And so that was the context of that moment. It really felt like a confirmation when all of their like counts started to disappear that the app was crumbling under their eyes. And it's not totally implausible because there are other places that have banned it. Yeah. Why are they banning TikTok and where are they banning TikTok? 
India recently banned TikTok, along with several other Chinese apps, citing national security concerns. And there was some speculation, too, that it fell after a conflict between Indian and Chinese troops, um, that it was also geopolitically motivated. And then TikTok has also disappeared in regions like Hong Kong. And so that recent context has become part of what's really informing the current moment in the United States. So I think one of the leading opinions out there is that the government's criticism and potential targeting of TikTok is heavily tied to its Chinese parent company and concerns that that parent company would eventually share data or be asked to share data with the Chinese government. There's also been things like the president, when he mentioned banning TikTok, also in a certain way framed it as a kind of retaliatory measure um, against China as retribution for the coronavirus, given that he continues in his rhetoric to attribute the pandemic essentially to China. What has TikTok actually responded yet to all of these governments kind of going after it? What has TikTok said in reaction? Yeah, so TikTok for its part typically responds to this by saying that it doesn't store any United States user data in China. Um, it stores the data in the United States with a backup server in Singapore. Who else really uses TikTok? Yeah, I think the public perception is that it's Gen Z's big app, which I think to a certain extent is very true. Um, TikTok has a reputation for being like essentially the online teen culture hub. Um, and a lot of its user base is that kind of direction. But there's a lot of millennials on TikTok. There's a lot of Gen X people on TikTok. Sometimes you get boomers on TikTok. <laughs> for example... TikTok teens kind of took credit and were given a lot of credit for dunking on a Trump rally by mass reserving tickets. Guys, Donald Trump is having a rally next week and it's free. All you have to do is give your phone number and you can get two tickets. So I got two tickets, but I totally forgot that I have to pick every individual piece of land off of my room floor and then sort them by size so I can't make it for Friday. Oh, well, I already got the tickets. This morning, sources close to the White House say President Trump is furious that his much-hyped campaign reboot went bust. It turns out the Trump campaign might have been trolled by teenagers, TikTok users, and Korean pop music fans. But that effort didn't start with a teenager. Um, it was actually a quote-unquote TikTok grandma who really started that effort. And so I think the app is such a hub for teens, particularly in the influencer space. But at the same time, it's not at all limited to those demographics. So obviously, users should care about possible security concerns and they should care about, you know, how the government sees TikTok. But I think most of us have such personal connections with these apps that we're more freaked out about like what it would do to us and our lives if the app was banned. So for TikTok users, what would that mean? What would they actually be losing if a government like the U.S. government pulled, you know, the same move that India did? So they have really managed to find a kind of personal connection and develop a space on the app for themselves. And I think particularly in the United States right now, TikTok has recently become a space for political activism and for sharing information and resources, particularly tied to recent Black Lives Matter protests. And that includes footage from the protest as well. And so TikTok has become a deeply political space and a place where they can hope to 
to educate other users, spread resources, call for others to speak out. I think on TikTok, um, some of the reactions that I saw while scrolling amid news of the ban was that people were like, okay, yeah, my data, whatever. I think that's kind of a Gen Z standpoint. It's like, okay, everything in my life is online. Why should I care? But people were really worried about losing that political space and that community that they've built. And many did theorize that President Trump wanted to retaliate against the teens that had dunked his rally and that were trying to organize against him in what they saw as a conversation that the government wasn't able to control. I have a degree in political science, so let me tell you what's really going on with the Trump administration talking about banning TikTok. Long story short, it's not because of China. And that feels so crucial for even people off the app, people who are concerned about whether or not young people are becoming politically engaged, are aware of what's going on politically across the country. It seems like this is a great place for young people to actually learn about what's going on and to use their own power, their own influence online to make change as well. Absolutely. And I think this platform is a space where a lot of young people have found that kind of agency and have found that they're able to build platforms for themselves and really feel like they have an impact or a kind of reach. And so I think that is really one of the biggest things that's at stake is for those people who have found their voice, found their community, found their platform it's really something that they do uniquely stand to lose. Coming up after the break, if the Trump administration does decide to ban TikTok, how does that even work? This is Reset. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. This week on The Gray Area, Professor Diana Posulka and I tackle one of life's biggest questions. Are we alone in the universe? What would it take for you to step off the agnostic ledge and say, yeah, aliens are real? Is it a spacecraft landing on the White House lawn? Well, something that was anomalous in 1952 did fly over the White House. And that's one of those cases that is still weird. (laughs) That's This Week on the Gray Area, available wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 
past couple of weeks, the Trump administration has been talking about wanting to take action against TikTok. Federal employees have already been told not to download the app. When I asked Addie Robertson, senior reporter at The Verge, why the Trump administration is so worried about TikTok, she gave me a few different reasons. The first is very sort of strange and amorphous, which is Trump hinting like, we just want to punish China because of the coronavirus. Beyond that, they're worried that there are national security problems with TikTok. And these break down along a couple different lines. The first is just the very obvious TikTok is a social network. It collects a lot of data, like all social network apps. And it's owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance. And by implication, it is possible that the data that TikTok collects could be viewed by the Chinese government. And then the second issue is there are sort of fears about censorship and propaganda. So TikTok, for example, there have been some previous reports about it having sort of restrictive moderation guidelines that scrubbed things that seem critical of governments or events um, that were controversial, including the Tiananmen Square protests. And so there are fears that sort of there's this soft power where Beijing can shape what people can say on TikTok indirectly, and that in turn has sort of a wider effect on the information ecosystem. Or conversely, that because TikTok has all of this algorithm information about what Americans like to watch, that then the Chinese government could analyze this and figure out how to better target propaganda. And to be clear, what's the evidence that TikTok poses a security threat? There aren't a lot of real smoking guns. TikTok has argued repeatedly, look, we have an American CEO, we store our data in America. So we don't have really firm evidence, say, that the Chinese government is looking at whatever you put on TikTok. Beyond that, it's that there's a certain amount of logic to it, that Obviously, the Chinese government has an incredibly sophisticated internet surveillance state. Obviously, they exert a lot of control over companies that operate within their borders. And obviously, social networking apps can collect a lot of data. So when you put all those things together, there are a lot of dots you can connect. It's just that we haven't really connected those dots. But other countries have successfully banned TikTok or discussed banning TikTok just as we have. So how did the countries that did end up censoring or actually restricting access to the app do that? So the main country we're talking about is India here. India has banned TikTok and dozens more popular mobile apps from Chinese firms. It's part of the fallout from the growing hostility between the two nations uh, since deadly border clashes earlier this month. Typically, if you want to block access to an entire site, countries will just tell an internet service provider that they want them to cut off access to that site. So the equivalent would be if in America, the government told Comcast to just block your connection with TikTok. This is something that like India has a pretty long history of internet censorship, whether that is blocking specific apps or just cutting off access to the internet. Mm -hmm. So this isn't a massive change for them. So what about in the U.S.? Can the U.S. force internet service providers to block an app? So there is really not much precedent at all for the government telling an internet service provider to block a specific very widely used website. That would be a massive jump into internet censorship. And it's 
also not really clear that it's legal. Not that that's ever stopped our administration, though. Yes. So this is probably (laughs) something that you are less likely to see. The avenue that seems somewhat more likely is the government trying to make it harder to access TikTok by getting it kicked off of the Google Play Store or the App Store. Huh. And how would that work? Probably the clearest way that they could go about actually getting it off of the stores is that the Commerce Department has something called an entity list, basically a sanctions list that says American companies can't do business with the entities on this list. So if you put TikTok on that, then Apple and Google can't really put it on their stores and TikTok, the app suddenly becomes much more difficult to get. This is one of the methods that the Trump administration used against Huawei and ZTE. Now, President Trump signed an executive order banning technology sales to Huawei and certain other foreign-owned companies on the grounds that their equipment could be used to spy, posing a national security risk. Huawei makes Android phones, and Google wasn't really able to continue its relationship and put its apps on those phones because it was banned from working with Huawei. News this morning, and it is big. Google looking to hang up on Huawei, suspending key business activities for the company's future smartphones. This is a major blow to Huawei. There are, however, some really important differences between TikTok and Huawei and ZTE. The main one being that you're supposed to actually have some kind of legal basis for putting companies on the entity list. And TikTok, it's not really clear that there's any legal reason to do this. So Huawei and ZTE, for example, there were trade secrets charges against them. U.S. penalized ZTE in 2017 for violating sanctions. The penalty banned U.S. companies from selling parts to ZTE for a period of seven years. There were actual specific problems that the administration could point to. Here, it's kind of just this general impression that TikTok is doing something wrong, and that would probably be legally challenged almost immediately. What about the owner of TikTok, ByteDance? Is there any way that the government can, instead of aiming at their app, aim at the company that owns the app? Yeah. So this is where you kind of move from the consequences being we're going to ban TikTok to the consequences just being we're going to make life really, really difficult for TikTok and ByteDance. Um, one of the main venues for this would be uh, what's called CFIUS, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, which is an oversight body that basically examines foreign investment um, or mergers uh, involving foreign companies to see whether they pose a national security risk. And if they do, they can force companies to spin off companies they've merged with, or they can stop mergers from going through. There can be fairly serious consequences. So maybe one of the best known cases is that the hookup app Grindr was acquired by a Chinese company And CFIUS determined this posed a really unworkable national security problem because there was this Chinese company that was getting what could effectively be blackmail material on Americans' um, sex lives. And so they forced it to sell off this app. Oh, wow. Again, it's a little bit difficult to see how they justify this with TikTok. There's not that kind of really straight line that you can draw between something like Grindr and some kind of national security risk. So it seems like government actions against TikTok are pretty limited. The government could certainly make TikTok's life really difficult in a way that would make the company potentially spin off from ByteDance. There's that. 
They could also issue orders that are probably just not legal, but would still be really annoying for TikTok um, and would put a lot of pressure on companies to not invest in it or not do business with it, which again could hurt TikTok. But again, the actual situation in which TikTok is going to suddenly get turned off, that seems like something we're pretty safe from in the short term. Addie Robertson is a senior reporter at The Verge. This is Reset, and I'm Allegra Frank. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. Skylar Swenson and Will Reed produce the show. Amy Drozdowska is our editor. Our audio engineer is Eric Gomez. Golda Arthur is our executive producer. Liz Kelly Nelson is the editorial director of Vox Podcast. The mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder composed our theme music, and we're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back on Friday. Later, nerds. <laughs>